0: My name is Nina Gilligan and this Manchester Tart is great for a brew and a gossip but too much of it will probably give you heartburn. Hi I'm Naomi Cooper and I've had to switch to champagne because I always spill the tea. Bonded by their shame, British comedians Nina Gilligan and Naomi Cooper invite you to join The Real Housewives' Guilty Secret Fan Club, a podcast that serves as a non-judgmental safe space for all the intelligent, accomplished people out there who just can't stop thinking about Erica's earrings, Luanne's singing, and Crystal's ugly leather pants. So grab a glass of rosé and own it as we bring the bunny and mention it all. And welcome to the Real Housewives Guilty Secret podcast. I have some very sad news listeners. Um, Our friend Naomi is trapped in Dubai. I think she's been arrested, uh, maybe for showing an ankle. We're not quite sure what's happened to her. Um, But I thought I'd come on just to let you know well, maybe we should start a GoFundMe to see if we could get her back. No, what's happened is poor Naomi, she is still out in the Dubai performing her jokes and she she can't be with us. Uh, unfortunately, she's not able to get onto her recording equipment. So rather than leave it another week, I thought, well, I don't want to leave you guilty secret fan clubbers A whole seven days without jumping on and saying hello, because you might think we've disappeared forever and given up this silly hobby of ours and and left you high and dry. So I thought, no, I'm going to jump on. So I'm here alone in a podcast studio in Manchester. Well, I'm not completely alone. Jacob's next door. So I thought I'd jump on, say hello tell you what I've been thinking about what's been happening in the Real Housewives Bravo land and have a little chat with you by myself, which I have to say, it's feeling a little bit odd, but I'm sure as, as the minutes fly by, it's going to feel easier. And um, so let's get into it. No, mum. I no, don't know if you're okay, actually. Name no, mum. Are you okay? Name them. It's all been a bit weird, hasn't it? So I went to the GP this week, and it finds I found out I've got a vitamin D deficiency. And after watching this week's episode of Potomac, I'm worried to tell anyone that I've I've paid for vitamin D. Yes, I I, I'll I'll put my hand up. I have paid for the vitamin D. Is that now a euphemism? I don't think that is a euphemism, is it? Here in the UK. I can... I've bought hundreds of them. Hundreds of the D. I've got D coming out my ears. That's a terrible visual image that nobody wants to hear again. Yeah, there was a lot of dick this week, wasn't there? Between the D in Potomac and the D flying out of that piñata, there was D all over the place. Um, But first... Let's talk about Beverly Hills. I felt like it was Erica's episode, would that be fair to say? Erica was still seething after coming back from Spain. She hadn't let go, had she? After a bit like Mercy's ashes, they were still stuck It's a bit like when you go to the beach, isn't it? Sand gets everywhere. Merce was probably still in people's luggage at the bottom of the suitcase. And so was Erica's resentment when it came to the fact that after the reversal had been made over the bloody earrings, Erica, that she hadn't received an apology from everyone in the cast. Now, I know I've got Naomi sort of speaking to me spiritually now. I don't think Naomi's dead. I do, I do think she's just actually doing a gig. But I think Erica still is failing to see that turning the earrings over might have been a moral victory, but she's still feeling a little bit hurt and a little bit So, And part of me's thinking... Erica, just let this go because it isn't making you look any better. And she did go, didn't she, and have a little chat with the old therapist. That therapist, to me, looks a little bit tired. I don't know if it's through listening to Erica that she's become so run down, but she looks like she could also do with a bit of vitamin D. I feel like the right thing to do for Erica would be really to just accept that it was a Pyrrhic victory in the sense that you know, Erica, that you've been basically cleared by the courts, but we we don't really need to go on about it. So that was happening. And then we had the Anna Marie's Diamonds and Champagne. Now, I've got a couple of things to say about that. One, it felt a little bit, can I say tacky? I'm going to say tacky. It felt like it was the sort of theme you could find at being in bargains. Now, I'm a, I'm a fan of being in bargains, but When you live in that amount of wealth and luxury, I'm wondering if you couldn't come up with a slightly quirkier, more offbeat theme than diamonds and champagne. It feels like I could have come up with that and ran round the shops and got all the bits for it that I needed. Isn't there, like, Lisa Vanderpump, what happened to her party planner? He's probably got a bit of time off. I used to love him. What happened to him? Couldn't she have got him in to do a bit of catering for her? So there was that massive diamond, was it was it ice, that was melting away. Also, I don't like that. I, I always think it's a bit minging, don't, having a diamond, some kind of ice sculpture. It, I've got food doo-doo issues. I, I don't want... Bits of water melting into my finger food. So that's going on. And then we had the but, And I think she was going a bit over the top. I mean, even, didn't someone mention it was a bit OTT? And this is coming from women who are the definition of a bit OTT. So she had all that going on, didn't she? And then, um, then she had a jeweler with necklaces that were worth three and a half million pounds. I mean, I'm not being funny, but are any of those women able to spend three and a half million pounds without asking their husbands? Because I think my limit's 30 quid before I have to ring Mr. Gilligan and get his permission. Nobody's making a purchase of three and a half million pounds without phoning somebody up first. The only person there that I think could afford that kind of dollar on her own was possibly the very pissed Sutton. Sutton was probably pissed enough to, uh, that that would be an impulse purchase. I've made some impulse purchases in my time. Um, Today, not to be discounted, I bought a, a platform pair of red velvet shoes that will probably never see the light of day. But Sutton was, how you would say here in the UK, absolutely arsehole. I had never heard the um, expression of a roadie. I I thought that was somebody that plugged your wires in, but no. Somebody you took on tour. But apparently that is a massive drink of alcohol that you take in the car and is perhaps something that the, the British people may want to adopt. As a fashion, I, I've never seen... She was like Bambi going up those steps. I, I was frightened for her ankles. So I don't know what had got into her. Was it the thrill of riding Santos for the very first time? Or, or perhaps she had rode Steve for the very first time. Although she claimed, didn't she, that he had messaged her in search of a chaste kiss... And she, in return, had asked him for a health certificate. And I agree. I I like my men washed and um, health checked before I touch them. So I'm with you there. So that was happening. And then they had the little side show, didn't we, of uh, Anne-Marie very graciously taking Crystal on one side now, I think I did think Crystal looked gorgeous this week, and I would like to hear opinions on this. So, Crystal was wearing that rather beautiful red dress, and I do believe they were probably real diamonds she was wearing in her ears. And she took her on one side, didn't they? And they agreed to put her esophagus to bed for one last time. And I think we all were breathing a massive sigh of relief as we tucked that hosp that esophagus to bed with Anne-Marie's hospital corners and uh, euthanized it for the final time no more fucking esophagus thank you very much good night sayonara N- no longer I-, I don't know whether at this point in the series that amari finally caught wind of the twitterverse that she wasn't becoming very popular the old esophagus gate, or she'd realised she'd become a massive wanker all by herself, but no no one was sorry to hear the last of the windpipe. So I think we were all grateful for that. So that was, that was going on. Then uh, we came back into the room and we had the sit-down with Erica Jane where Erica had decided after talking to a haggard and tired counselor she decided to share with the group that she was upset that she'd never had her a full apology um to which Garcelle basically said I stand by what I said in a sort of monarch, a sort of Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky I never had sex with that woman. I stand by what I said. You, you're you not having an apology. I'm, I'm sticking by it. That was a bad analogy. And um, then I think Dorit pretty much came on the front foot to her, didn't she? She pretty much kind of went, you know what, Dorit? You know what, Erica? You, we were drawn into it. And we had to ask questions, like it was all over the news. What did you expect us to do? Then Sutton, who was, again, a little drunky, she did offer a heartfelt apology, and I thought it was lovely. I thought Sutton, but I don't know whether Sutton's just kind of drunk on endorphins and, and Steve... She's she's just in a very good mood at the moment, and I think she was just able to sort of offer a, a, a very gracious and and loving apology because she's just in a much better place in her own life. I think coming back from Spain, she'd obviously put Merce and her marriage and all the other things to bed that she'd hoped to, and she's just living her best life at the minute, sort of, and she just doesn't care. And I think. Um, Crystal, the same. She'd also said, I'm sorry if I contributed to your pain, which was a a kind of quite a millennial way of saying I'm sorry. And then who else apologised? I think we had one other apology, didn't we? Let me consult the old notes. But I think we had one further apology. Um, I can't remember who from... You're going to have to... Yeah, Kyle. Kyle apologised, didn't she? I think it was a bit of a tight-lipped from Kyle. I don't know how we're feeling about Kyle at the moment. I think uh, Naomi and I had said the last episode, didn't we, that we were... we were kind in Kyle a little bit on the plastic, fake side at the moment. And one thing I did know at the top of the episode was Kyle was... She'd gone round to watch Sutton murder, horse riding. And afterwards she sort of said to Sutton, no, I really understand where you're coming from. It must've been very difficult for you in Spain. And then we know she went out and said somewhere in the Bravo verse that she thought Sutton had just done it for a storyline. So now I'm sort of taking everything that Kyle says with a pinch of salt, which is annoying. Then we had, the, we had the little tete-a-tete over the bar in Kyle's house with Mo where they were talking about therapy and something very interesting was happening because Mo was kind of indicating that he was enjoying therapy like it was a trip to the baseball that's my American reference. It's the only one I can think to think of. Like he was courtside at basketball, and Kyle was going, "Well, you know, therapy not that fun." And then we have her in her confessionals, talking about in riddles, sort of saying, "You know, I don't want to give this." impression to my daughters that they should have to put up with anything that I would put up with. Now, I just don't feel with Kyle, I don't know how you feel out there, but are we ever actually going to say the thing that it is? We're talking around it. It seems to be about her work, the fact that she wants to be supported, the fact that she supported him for years. But is there an incident at the bottom of this? Is there something concrete that he's done? Or is it something more generic that they've grown apart? What actually is it? There's something going on with this series where i can't work out whether the morgan wade thing is a red herring whether it's a big country singer red herring that we're all been told to look over here look over here where actually there's something going on over there now judging by what is the trailer for next week's episode we may be about to find out because what we saw is them sitting down with the girls to tell them. Now, I found that absolutely heartbreaking because I've been in that scenario myself. And the day you tell your children that you're splitting up with their father, I have to mark that as probably one of the worst days in their lives and in in my life because nobody who's a committed parent ever wants to be in this situation where they're telling their children that their parents are splitting up. It's absolutely dreadful. And it looks like that's the conversation that they're going to be having. I don't know whether they've made some kind of pact between themselves, not to name the thing that's happened. I wonder if that's something they're deciding to keep private to themselves. Part of me understands that. I kind of think if there's been an adultery... Would you ever want your children to know that? Because it doesn't matter which parent has committed adultery. I don't even like that word committed because is it a crime? It will maybe colour the child's impression of that parent. Is that fair to say? And maybe that's something that Kyle and Moe just don't want their girls to be have knowledge of. And maybe that's something, you know, we can have empathy for. It's that question, isn't it? How far should reality TV go really when it's exposing their lives? But it does it it does feel like we're being sort of not told everything. That's what I'd say. So, that was Beverly Hills, so over to Potomac. The rule can't change because, because it's social media. The line is always moving. Okay. Oh, these women are not worth the running eyeliner. What did we make of the old Potomac? Well, I don't know. Happy Eddie. To do with a bit of Happy Eddie. Um, so we had the oregano rolling course, didn't we? So Happy Eddie, if you don't know, has decided to take on a marijuana. Are we calling it marijuana? Weed? What do we say when we're down with the kids now? He's taken on a drugs don't do it kids Course? Course? business. Apparently it's a multi-million dollar business and it's about to become legal where they live. So he invited all the women down to launch his business because that's what they do on this program, isn't it? Every time they make a bloody business, we have a scene where they're promoting their business. This happened a few times this week, uh, right down to, we'll get to it in Miami. But so Happy Day is called his business. Happy Eddie. No and that was a, a nickname they had for him, so it was quite a good way of doing it. And apparently one of the strains of marijuana that they're gonna announce is called Zen Wen. I mean, are you being sarcastic? Is she Zen when? Ne- neurotic when? Uptight when? Know it all when? I'm a professor when. I've got three degrees when I could go on. So anyway, they're introducing Zen when... So they went down for this rolling course because apparently none of these women have ever rolled a spliff, apart from Karen Hooger, who's a a connoisseur of the old spliff rolling. So she was probably doing it one-handed. She could do one in each hand. So... They were all gutted when they found out that it wasn't marijuana, in inverted commas, it was oregano. I'm calling bullshit on that one, because if it if it wasn't marijuana, why was Candice running to the back of her car with the bag of oregano they had given to her and hiding it so that the police wouldn't find it? Mm. Interesting. Roll's eyes. So that was that. Then there was the um, oh Karen Huger. and Mia had a bit of a I love Karen. She's Mia was fed up, wasn't she? Because she wasn't the um, first invite down to Surrey County. I, I she didn't she didn't miss anything. And um she called Karen out on it. And she said, well, I'm not going to be second... I can't remember the phrase she used. I'm not going to be second fiddle, basically. And Karen was like, you weren't second fiddle. You weren't even third fiddle, basically. I didn't want you to come. I had spare spaces. It, it, you know, you've got to hand it to Karen. She she doesn't pull any punches. She is in her own world. She She's she's the queen still of Potomac. She, she's got a lot of self-belief. So that was happening um and then yeah that they had it they played a little game they went to necker's unpacking party so necker had been married two years ago and still hasn't unpacked her wedding gifts what's that about a bit rude like I, i unwrapped my presents before christmas necker how much money have you got to be waiting two years to unwrap your wedding gifts. So such a princess, maybe she is the new queen of Potomac, such a princess she is, that she can't even be bothered unwrapping them herself. So she's got the ladies round to try and unwrap them for her. I was just frightened for the nails. I mean, the manicures on those women, there's no chance they were digging the nails into those packages and they didn't show us what was in them which I was a bit annoyed about then when they do when they'd finished doing that they had a little game of uh, the old game of what's it called oh no don't have a brain blip now honestly so it's that game where you play you drink if you have and you 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 don't if you haven't, that game. You know the one I'm talking about. I've just had a drink. What does that tell you? So, basically, Robin had put in, um, have a drink if you have ever took a photograph of my family and kept it on your mobile phone. And it turns out Karen Huger has a picture of Robin's entire family on her mobile phone. Like, she'd screen um, shotted it and kept it on her mobile phone. Ever have I? Have I ever? Ever have I ever? Have I ever, ever? Have I ever? I really need Naomi here. I can't do this on my own. So, ever have I ever? Never have I ever? <laughs> so, that game... So anyway, what a weird thing to do. So it turns out Karen does have an, obs- uh, an obsession with Robin. Now, we've suspected this in the past because Karen seems to have quite a healthy interest in Juan and has had over the past season. She was always really interested in whether Robin was going to get married to Juan, if you remember that. She was really interested, would the wedding ever happen? And she'd insinuated that Juan had a bit of a thing for her. And now she's collecting photographs of the family on the phone. I would check under your car to see if there's any stalking devices and maybe just check to see she's not in the garden, Robin, when you look outside. This would be my advice to you. So that was Potomac. Um, Yeah, so what else was going on in Potomac? There was a little bit of sadness, wasn't there? There was Mia and her husband and there was a little bit of weird chat around their marriage. I really like Mia. Oh, God, I'd almost forgotten... Karen Huger had tried to call Mia out as a trick, which um, I think in UK means a shack worker. So she tried to call her out as a trick and, yeah, and insinuated that she's seen a rapper, to which Mia did not deny the accusation. Mia carefully trotted around that by saying he's not a rapper. Uh, So... And then we did fast forward to uh, having a conversation with her husband where they were talking about what would happen if they were to separate. And her husband making this really weird sort of suggestion that because they are in a transactional relationship in which he is the wealthy man and she is the beautiful woman, that they would come to some sort of arrangement To which she replied, and I thought, go you, Mia. There is no amount of money in the world that would keep me in captivity. Hope you're listening, Mr. Gilligan. Yeah, there's no amount of money in the world that could keep me in captivity. Not even 35 quid. So that was Potomac. So let's go over to Miami. Because he's a damn saint for listening to all the Lenny stories. It's a lot. Lenny Hoxton. He's really disappointed me. Super disappointed me. You know, I'm so sad that I didn't have the opportunity to share this with Naomi. That gondola ride, I thought it was bad when we got to the Valley of the Dolls, but it just got worse, didn't it? It just got worse and worse. Poor, poor Julia was hysterical when they were leaving the Valley of the Dolls because of a horrible trauma. Then Gurday, who had been flat out ignored, became, became very sick. And they were asking the guy to turn the boat around and Alexi was trying to take charge, and clearly the guy was not listening. or suddenly decided he he didn't understand Alexi's Spanish, so it seemed to take them forever to get back. And then Doctor Nicole took charge in a very sensitive way, take notes, and Marie, and got her the medical attention she needed. And, I mean, just did it beautifully, didn't she? She was there. She was in the back of the ambulance. She got her on a a drip. And a few hours later, she just bounced back absolutely beautifully. Now, if that's not a bedside manner, Anna Marie, I don't know what is. And, you know, didn't need any praise for it didn't go into a confessional, didn't bitch about it, didn't say, look at me, I'm a doctor. I mean, just, just, just clearly very, very good at a job. And for these women who are total narcissists, I think she is lower on the narcissistic spectrum. So very well done to you, Nicole, for sorting that out. And then we finished that episode. and quite not quite sure where we finished it. We were working up to Adriana dancing at Pride. We'd had the argument, oh, that was awful, between Lisa and Girdie That So we'd had the argument between Lisa and Gertie on the boat then this week's episode, we saw the yeah we we'd seen the pride. I my absolute stomach was in knots for that dancing on pride. I don't know about anybody else's, but I was like can, that costume in itself was a whole production. I mean Adriana looked incredible, but I just is she a dancer? I don't know. I I. I kind of, I'm not really buying it. And those blokes that got off that building site who did a few steps, it like, I was watching it and the crowd looked, it was a massive crowd. I mean, didn't they say there was like 200,000 people there? And they, they weren't difficult dance steps where they, they, she was doing. I think it was like the pop star equivalent of one step together, two step together. And then they lifted her up. <laughs> It wasn't a big production. It was all right, wasn't it? And she was miming, just for the record. I don't know who pointed it out. Mary Soul, maybe asked if she was miming. I think she was. So that happened. It all kind of went okay, didn't it? And then they went to the after party. And I think that's where it kicked off, didn't it? Between Gurdy and Lisa, where Lisa ended up. That was a horrible argument. That was really unpleasant. I think there was two things going on. I think you, Goody was absolutely right in calling out, again, Lisa's entitlement, but two things can be true at the same time. Yes, Lisa's entitled. Lisa is also in fight off, right? Because she's going through this horrible divorce and situation with Lenny. She's just signed some papers. She was behaving appallingly. Lisa was behaving appallingly. But they both said some terrible things to each other in that argument. It just got really nasty really quick. And I think it was a one-one draw. I, I, I didn't walk away from the argument feeling that anybody had showed themselves in a particularly good light when she was, Lisa was saying, I can't, you know, solve your childhood trauma and Gerdie was coming back accusing her of being entitled. It was just, it was just vile and that, that karma had come to get her. It was it, it just horrid. It was, it was the worst possible versions of, of both of them and I don't think either of them were particularly proud of themselves and I think that kind of, came up didn't it in the next episode where we saw the day after the two of them looking like slightly sheepish puppies who'd shat themselves on the kitchen floor going I'm sorry mummy I I didn't really mean to do that um can, can we just can we can we just agree to move on from this because yeah not not the best weird I'm not comfortable with this whole Lisa getting a an agreement from Lenny. Too much about it seems odd. So first of all, is, is it Jody? is is it his plans that he found on the internet? So he's found her boyfriend's dream house and he's agreed to Agreed to build it for her. Feels precarious. Feels like if he wanted to hurt her, which he absolutely has a track record of doing, could this be the way to do it? Mm. I just feel for her. They've still not signed the papers over custody. They've still not got the money sorted out. I just feel a little bit like Lisa... Is this because you have? Because I think she said, you know, God's listening to us. This is all serendipity. If something feels too good to be true, is it? I, I just feel really unsettled about it. So that that was making me feel super nervous. We had that in that episode. What did we also have in that episode? We had them having fun um, as they were leaving Mexico. We had the Dick Pinata how childish is Marisol? I absolutely love Marisol. Is there no opportunity where that woman won't have a drink and stick a cock in your face? So there was that. Um, then we had that slightly odd... That was quite sweet. I'll just mention that quickly. That was quite sweet when we saw Alexia trying to... Um. She was taking her son, wasn't she, to the independence place, Moyers, and they were looking at the um his independence for Frankie, and she was getting told off. I was like, God, she's a boss bitch, isn't she, that woman that runs it, and she was saying, Alexia, get out. I have never, in the whole histories of Miami's housewives, seen Alexia take feedback from anyone and I was like oh my god you go um that was lovely the only horrifying thing about that I have to say is they have taken that apartment the apartment in the Burj Khalifa, Khalifa which is probably where poor Naomi is now and that's where they're gonna put Frankie please don't leave him on his own all day there I'm worried about that So, there was that, and then we saw Alexia with Julia. What is going on with the guava raspberry jam? Not only does it sound like a horrible mix, like hybrid jam, uh, uh, no, but also, is this Alexia trying to get a sideline? I wonder if Alexia is a little bit worried about not having her own money. And this is Alexia trying to get a little bit of financial independence on the side without making it obviously known to the husband, Todd. You heard it here from me. That's my thought. She's a little bit strapped for, you know, that little cash you need in your pocket just to pay for the odd thing for yourself. I'm wondering if she's not getting pocket money from Todd. This is what was striking me as I was watching it. I was like, she don't need to be spending her time making guava jam. There's something going on there that I'm interested in. Also, she looks so awkward when she's on a farm. Um, Then we sort of... Yeah, Julia, also, you you do belong in a farm because you are the biggest shit-stirrer I've ever met. You shit-stirred massively... When you were in Mexico, over what everybody was saying about Lisa, there was no need to bring all that up. That you you started a fight in Mexico, you did it again when over the Michael Jordan thing. You're a bit of a monkey, actually, Julia. With this, it's so I feel like it kind of lets you down. Like is it because you don't have a strong storyline of your own? Is it a, a, are you just I just say it as it is. what What is it about you that you think you can call other people shit out? I'm not sure I like this about you. So yeah, she was at it a couple of times and we did finish that episode with Adriana, who'd already said she wouldn't mind giving Michael Jordan or getting a bit of vitamin D off Michael Jordan, um, confronting Larsa about what's been in the press, about him, sorry, Marcus, not giving Michael Jordan one, giving Marcus one, let's get this right, don't want to start a bloody rumour. Yeah, about the whole Marcus thing, that Michael isn't in agreement with it at all. And then we saw Larsa desperately trying to put her own spin on it, where she was going, oh, no, he, he was laughing. He was he was laughing. He, he, he was just trying to make it out as a joke. No, no, he was laughing because he was trying to avoid the question. And then when he was pushed on the question, Larsa, he said, no, he ain't that chuffed about you shagging his son when you're old enough to be his mother. No judgment from me, Larsa, but judgment from his dad. So that's how it ended, which uh, takes me, finally, to Vanderpump Rules. You're a worm with a moustache. My cards. How's that been going, people? Been absolutely loving Vanderpump. was very sad to see the closing of Pump. That was sad, wasn't it? But apart from that, um we we saw Tom Schwartz desperately trying to manoeuvre his way back into the group by sucking up to Lisa. I was quite interested in Lisa's um and trigger warning here because we are gonna mention um suicide. So Tom had gone down to Vanderpump Dogs and he was chatting with Lisa. And Lisa is basically insinuating that he, the other time, Sandoval, is in a very, very dark place or has said that he has been in a very, very dark place and he has had thoughts of suicide. And for that reason, she is sort of sending Tom out as um, a special envoy to try and get them all back together and try and soften the relationships. And one of the ways they might want to do that is she's opening a new restaurant called Wolf and that everybody could be invited to go along. That went down like a fart in a spacesuit when Tom tried to, so they were see you next Tuesday and Tom went down ostensibly to go and watch James's set. He knew everybody would be there and he suggested it and I think it was a no from Ariana, uh, in, at which point he accused her of, he basically said, you're not the queen of this group. And you could see by the faces of the courtiers that she very much is the queen of that group. I think they, my feeling is maybe, La la apart, there's not much they wouldn't do at this moment without Ariana's say so. I think as things stand, hashtag Ariana, hashtag, you know, Tom, it, it, There's two sides and, you know, I'd be interested to hear what you think and about whose side you're on. Do you think that we're at the point now where Tom does deserve a little bit of forgiveness or do you think that, you know, given what he did in that group, that he should be shunned and banished forever to his own corner of sir which he was when he came in with his friend um, who it was said that he's hiring his friends now when he had his very small birthday party so do we think Tom has a right to still mix within that group you know like I said before listeners I'm getting old part of me has a little bit of empathy with... I think it's still too raw. I think, you know, it's not that long ago it happened. But within this group, there has been a lot of... You know, there's been quite a bit of adultery. There's been quite a lot that's happened between these people over these seasons. And when they had their little powwow, James and Tom... Tom did point out, you know, James, you did this to me, to me as well with Kristen. And two wrongs don't make a right. Nobody's saying that. But I think Tom is is trying to defend himself. He's trying to point out that, you know, this has happened. Like I said before, I don't, I'm not coming down on a side here. I'm just wondering about the amount of, vitriol this has created, just about the amount of hype there's been over it, it seems sensationalised to a massive degree, this particular act of betrayal, and I have huge sympathy for Ariana, I mean, on a personal, on an intimate level, this is definitely for a for anybody, one of the worst things that can possibly happen to you for your partner to cheat on you in such a disgusting way with your friend under your nose. This is this is devastating. For it to become a national conversation, I don't know. I just don't know. It leaves me slightly bewildered. So that's my little roundup. I didn't want to leave you hanging my Real Housewives Guilty Secret fan club. I will be back next week with my friend and fan clubber, my beautiful Naomi Cooper, who I have missed. I hope she gets away from Dubai and she's able to join us again. But in the meantime, please, Follow us on all the socials, hashtag RH Secrets. Until then, goodbye. This podcast was brought to you by Nina Gilligan and Naomi Cooper. Edited and produced by Frog and Bucket. With the music spoilt Brat" by Ruth.